You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. So we're going to continue on in our series this morning, and we're finishing it up. And I just want to give you a quick recap of what we've discussed so far, but we've been looking at the life of Nehemiah. And we saw that Nehemiah got some bad news, and this news broke his heart. It became a burden in his life. It's just something, and, and maybe you've been there, maybe you've experienced this. There's, there's something that you've heard, or something that you've seen, or something that you know about, and it just crushes you inside. It's something that you just can't stop thinking about. It's something that you just can't get out of your heart. And this is what happened with Nehemiah. And he realized that this was a burden and somebody had to do something about it and it might as well be him. Right? And I don't know if you've ever been there where you say, man, somebody has to do something. It might as well be me. Right? And that's, that's where he was. And he began to pray and he began to seek God continuously. And through this, we've seen that he received the burden. He had a blueprint, right? He, he began to, to act. And then once he began to act and began to do what God called him to do, last week we talked about defeating discouragement and how he was discouraged because the enemy will attack you when you begin to do what God has called you to do. I want to be honest about that this morning. I don't want you to think that, man, I'm doing what God called me to do, so everything's going to be great. I want you to know that when you begin to do what God calls you to do, the enemy will attack you. It is his nature. It is his character. He wants to steal everything away from you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. He wants you to have nothing in this world that is of kingdom significance, and he will fight you. And I just want you to know that. That's the truth. He will fight. But we saw how we could overcome discouragement last week. And I think that's a big one. But I think this week is the one that we really feel from the enemy. And this week we're going to really see how the enemy in a subtle way begins to take us away from doing what God has called us to do. In Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1 says this. Now when Sambalot and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall... And then there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates. Let's, let me stop right there really quick. This is where we are. Nehemiah is done with the wall except for the doors in the gate. There was, there was no, more, no more vulnerability from, from the outside. The walls were built except they had to put the, the doors in the gate. And he says, when they heard that we were almost done... Right Then he's going to continue on in this, but I want you to know this, that the closer you get to doing what God wants done, the harder your enemy will fight to stop you. The closer you are to completing the task, the harder the enemy will fight to stop you. That's what he does. He will do everything in his power, and he's a powerful dude. I'm, just, I'm going to be honest. None of you, and not even me, like none of us, or as powerful as the enemy. Like, we just can't. And what we find a lot of times is we think that we can fight the devil on our own. 
How many of you have ever said, oh, I got this. Like, I can fight him. Like, hey, I'm telling you, that's me every day. I'm like, come on, man, I'm ready. And then he starts, I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready. Slow down. I hadn't even prayed yet this morning. Like, I know that I can't do it. But we live life in a, in a way that shows that we think that we are more powerful than the enemy. And the truth is, we're just not. So your enemy strategy, this is it. Number one, your enemy will try to distract you. In verse 2, it says, Sambalot and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. First of all, never meet somebody in a place called Ono, right? It's just, it's probably not a good idea to do that. And what, what they were trying to do is they were really just trying to get him to come down. Hey, get off the wall, stop doing the work. And they were trying to distract him. And I don't know how many of you get distracted in life, but that's something that I struggle with because there's a lot of stuff going on all the time. There's, there's stuff going on over here, over here, over here, down here, over here, up there. There's stuff everywhere, and my brain is going a thousand miles per hour, and I'm getting nothing done because I'm trying to do everything, and I'm being distracted in every way possible. And the enemy does that same exact thing when we're doing what God has called us to do. But here's the thing. A lot of times we think that distractions are bad things that he's trying to get us to do. And oftentimes distractions are good things just at the wrong time and in the wrong priority in our life. So what a distraction is, is it's anything that takes your focus off of what you're supposed to be doing. And if you have kids, you understand this concept that when a kid is supposed to be cleaning their room and they see a big tractor sitting on the floor, instead of cleaning the room, they're distracted and they begin to play with the tractor. Now, playing with the tractor is not a bad thing, but it becomes a distraction which becomes bad because you're supposed to be cleaning the room. So it's taking your focus away from what you're supposed to be doing. And what happens when we're doing what God has called us to do, the enemy will begin to throw all these little distractions at us. And sometimes, listen, sometimes it's your family. And your family becomes a distraction for what God has called you to do. And you're like, well, man, I'm supposed to love my family. I'm supposed to be there for my family. And that's, that's exactly right. You are supposed to love your family. You're supposed to be there for your family. Your family's important. But what happens is we elevate human earthly relationships above what God has called us to do. And that becomes a distraction. We put stuff in the wrong place when it comes to priorities. And when we do that, then we begin to lose sight and lose focus of what Jesus has called us to do. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes we can just work, 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 and it becomes a distraction for us. Work is not a bad thing. It becomes a bad thing when we elevate it, and it becomes more important than what God has called us to do. See, little distractions become big distractions. And we think that, okay, we were distracted just a little bit, but we're getting back to work. We were distracted just a little bit, but we're getting back to work. And over time, all those little distractions, we realize we're not even close to doing what God has called us to do anymore. So what's our response 
when we face distractions? What can we do as Christ followers as we're doing what God has called us to do? We see that Nehemiah says this in verse 3, And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? This is what our response should be and must be is I am not coming down. Down. I'm not stopping the work that God has called me to do. No matter what the enemy throws at me, no matter what distractions come, I'm not stopping the work. I'm not stopping the work. I'm not coming down from the wall. How easy would it have been after all the discouragement Nehemiah was facing from the outside and even from within? And then all these distractions that the enemy began to throw at him. Hey, just come off the wall. Just come and meet with us for a little while. Just come and do this. And Nehemiah realizes that this isn't what God has called me to do. God hasn't called me to stop the work and come talk to you. God has called me to build this wall and I'm not coming down. And there's some people sitting in this room, you know exactly what your burden is. You know exactly what God's called you to do. You've started doing the work, but you've been discouraged and you've been distracted and you've stopped building the wall. The work has stopped because you've allowed the enemy to gain access in your life and to pull you away from the work. Maybe, maybe your burden is to, to raise up godly leaders. And you're raising up godly leaders, and as you're doing that, there's some other stuff in your life that's happening. So you spend all your time doing this, and these leaders are over here like, hey, I, I'm kind of stuck. I need some help. What are you doing? And God has called us to do this, but because we're distracted, we're doing something completely different. Or maybe for you it's, man, God's called us to get out of debt as a family. Because once we get out of debt, we know that we have some freedom and we can be abundantly generous and we begin to do that and we get discouraged because bills pop up that we didn't think. And then we get distracted because, man, that's a really pretty truck and I want to buy that. And then we're back in debt even more than we were before we started doing what God had called us to do. And the work has stopped. And it's because we're allowing the enemy to distract us from doing what God has called us to do. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. I want you to hear that. If you hear nothing else this morning, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should do it. Just because you can buy that truck doesn't mean that you should buy that truck. Just because you can say yes to something doesn't mean that you should say yes to it. I want you to know, and I'm going to give you permission this morning, and I, I've told a few of, of our staff members this at impact but you have permission to say no you have permission if you hear it from no one else hear it from me you are allowed to say no because there are things even if they're good things that when you get too distracted and too busy it takes away from doing the one thing god has called you to do so we're doing this say yes to serve campaign and what I don't want you to do is to say yes to every ministry because you just feel like that's what people do at church well for one that is not what people do at church just look around people don't say yes very often at all to serve but the people that do say yes 
they tend to say yes to multiple things because they just see a need and they want to meet it. Well, here's the deal. You can't always say yes. The more you say yes, the more you do, the more busy you become, the more distracted you get, the less effective you are in doing what God has specifically designed you to do. It is okay for you to say no. Somebody say amen to that. Number two is this. Your enemy will try to discredit you. And he does this in two ways. The first way is by rumors. He begins to spread rumors. In verse 5, it says, In the same way, Sambalot, for the fifth time, he just he kept going, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And in it was written, It is reported among the nations. And Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Here's the rumor. They had this letter that they were making stuff up about Nehemiah and said, hey, you're trying to rebel. You're trying to create this, this new thing. You're trying to overthrow the king. You're trying to be this big king dude in this place. You have all these crazy plans. You set all this stuff up and none of it was true. But what happens is a lot of times we begin to believe the rumors even though we know the rumors aren't true. We begin to believe that we aren't who God says we are, but we are who other people say we are. And if there's, if there's something that you hear all the time here is that we are who God says that we are as his children. We aren't who the world says we are. And husbands, for some of you, that's a good thing. You aren't who your wife says you are all the time. You are who Jesus says you are. And I want you to take comfort and confidence in that this morning. Sometimes, though, you are what your wife says you are, man. So you need to get better. But I want you to know that rumors, they're coming. When you begin to live a life that is honoring to God, when you begin to do things that God wants you to do, when you begin the work, the enemy will try to discredit you with rumors. If he can make other people believe these things about you, if he can make you believe these things about you, then we will eventually stop doing what God has called us to do. The enemy wants you to believe the lies about you. And this is, this is how we know what the truth is, is that we take God's word and we see what he says about us. And he says a lot of amazing things about us. If you just go to the book of Ephesians, chapter whatever, you can go to any chapter you want. I was going to go there. Can't find it. I didn't mark it in my Bible. But here, this is what it says. You are chosen. You are loved. You are beautiful. You are his. You are just, you are confident because he is in you. Listen, you are who God says you are. You aren't who other people say that you are. Your past mistakes don't define you. What people say about you don't define you. What defines you is Jesus died on a cross for you. Jesus came on a rescue mission to save 
you. And that's what defines you. Don't let the rumors discredit you. And the second way that the enemy tries to discredit us is by compromise. He wants us to compromise on the word of God. And some of you are sitting there like, yeah, man, so I'm not a big compromiser. Well, I don't do that. But I want you to really think about this for a minute because the enemy's really, he's sneaky when it comes to this. Because he knows that if he can get you to compromise on one tiny thing, that he can begin to just chip away. And we begin to compromise on bigger things, bigger things, and bigger things, and bigger things. And let's, let's go back to, let's just go back to the example of getting out of debt, right? And, and we know that God says, he's telling us, if that's your burden, whatever your burden is, we're just using this as an example. Hey, I want you and your family to be out of debt so you can be more generous, so you can give and bless and help. And we're like, yeah, that's cool. And then we see one thing and we don't quite have enough money for it. So maybe we put $100 on a credit card and we think, okay, so this is just a small thing, right? It's a small thing. It's just a little compromise. And then we begin to, to compromise more and more and more. And that $100 turns into $1,000 and it turns into $2,000 and it turns into $10,000. And we're back in crazy amount of debt and we have no clue what happened. And this is what happens is we compromise one time. And the enemy begins to chip away. And we do this a lot with sin in our life. Is that we compromise on one little thing and it turns into one big thing. Because we like to pick and choose. This is all of us. Every single person in this room. Sometimes we like to pick and choose what we want to live by in the word of God. Some things we're okay with. Other things we're not okay with. Some things we'll stand firm on. Some things we'll compromise on. And the enemy knows that once you compromise on one thing, he's got you. We have to get to a place in our life where our response is what Nehemiah's response was. And I'm not going to read how they, how they tried to compromise Nehemiah, but what they, what they wanted to do is they wanted him to to come into, to come down again from the wall, to go into the temple. And Nehemiah says, hey, I can't go in the temple. I'm not worthy to go in the temple. If I go in the temple, that's a sinful man going into the temple. And I don't want to sin against God. So what they were doing is they were, they were trying to make him compromise on his beliefs and on what he knew to be true. And this was his response in verse 11. But I said, should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. Here's our response. I'm not giving up. No matter what the enemy throws at me, I'm not coming down, and I'm not giving up. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to believe all these lies of the enemy. None of this is going to stop me from doing what God has called me to do. I'm not giving up. See, the work becomes easier. And I don't really like to use the word easier because it doesn't, it doesn't ever really feel like the work is easy. But it becomes easier when giving up is not an option. When we know that we can't give up because God 
has given us this burden. That we can't give up because we know that we've bathed this in prayer. That we've defined the vision clearly. That we've planned out carefully and we're still seeking God. We're still continuously walking with Him. We're inspiring other people to join the cause. And discouragement comes and we say, hey, that's okay. I don't believe any of that. I believe what God says about me. This discouragement, yeah, it's real and I feel it. But man, I'm encouraged by the fact that it's all God anyway. I'm remembering him and I'm remembering the cause. And he is who he says he is. And he's called me to fight for the kingdom. And we remember that. And we remember that. And we remember everything God's done. We remember everything he's doing in this moment and we're faith like we have faith and we're filled with confidence that he's going to continue to work in ways that we couldn't work. And we see that in verse 15, it says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they, they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. This is what Nehemiah says. Hey, they even, even my enemies know that none of this could have happened without God. And there's some things in our life that we try to do and we can accomplish and be successful without God. And I want you to know that any burden that he gives you, that anything he's called you to do, you cannot be successful without him. So if there's something that you're doing and you can do it on your own strength, then I would argue that that's not all that God has called you to do. God gives us dreams and gives us burdens that can only be fulfilled with his power. Some of us were dreaming too small. Some of us were praying too small. Some of us were being way too careful and way too comfortable in what we're doing in life because we know, hey, so even if God doesn't show up, this is still going to work because I know how to get this done. And that's not a God-given dream. That's not a God-given task. When God gives you something, the only way it can be successful is if he shows up and does work. And then all of the world will know that, hey, man, they wouldn't have been able to do that without God. They wouldn't have been able to start a church without God. They wouldn't have been able to start a, a food pantry without God. They wouldn't have been able to serve this community and give away over a million dollars without God. So we have ministries all in this city who started understanding that without God, they would fail. And now we have Attic Treasures who's been around for a long time and given over a million dollars away because of God. We have a food pantry in Harlem, Fishes and Loaves, that feed a ton of people every month. If you remember from week one, they feed over 300 people every month. And it would have never been possible without the help of God. We come and meet here every Sunday morning, and it would not be possible without God. There, there's something that God has placed in your life. There's a burden that you have. And it won't be possible to, to achieve or to see that through without the help of God. Have you started 
doing work? Have you started the work? Craig Rochelle says, those who are most successful are those who are most focused. Where's your focus at this morning? Are you focused on what makes you feel good? Are you focused on what the world throws at you? Are you focused on all these distractions? Are you focused on the lies of the enemy? Are you focused on the one true God who's given you the burden, who's called you to do the work, and who wants to see you through as you act? What is your focus? Because you're focused on something. We go through life focused on something. And I've realized in my own life, when I, when I began to focus on something other than the cross, something other than Jesus, something other than God, that's when the distractions get really, really heavy. That's when the lies of the enemy get really, really loud. That's when things in my life just seem like they're going crazy because my focus has shifted from Jesus to Dustin. And if we're going to be honest, it's so easy for us to focus on ourselves more than we focus on our Father. And I want you to, to have the freedom and the victory and the confidence that Jesus is all you need. And I want our focus to be directly on Him. Not just as a church, man, but as families, as individuals. I want our focus to be on Jesus. I don't want our focus to be on our families. I don't want our focus to be on our careers. I don't want our focus to be on money. I don't want our focus to be on the things that make us feel good in this world. I don't want our focus to be on material things. I want our focus to be on Jesus. And when our focus is on Jesus, everything else falls into place. When, when Jesus is number one, our families begin to look like a biblical family. When Jesus is number one, we don't focus on a career. We focus on where we go to work being a mission field to reach people with the gospel. When we focus on Jesus, the things of this world, they don't satisfy us. We use the things of this world to impact the kingdom. What is your focus? Where is it this morning? And that's an important question that you have to answer because I believe that if we want to do what God's called us to do, if we want to do the work, then our focus must be on and we're going to close this morning. And I'm going to share something with you. And it's, it's a little personal. I'm going to share it anyway. Um, so they teach this to, to pastors. Sometimes I listen to what they teach. Sometimes I don't. I'm just being honest. They, they teach this and they say, hey, so you really, you should be vulnerable. You should be transparent, but you shouldn't be too vulnerable. And you shouldn't be too, like, don't be too transparent with, with your church. Right. And I agree with that to a certain extent. But what I want to do this morning is I want to be very vulnerable with you. And I want to be very transparent with you, because I think that as we go through life and we begin to take steps of faith together, 
it's so important for us to be able to open up with one another so that we can encourage, we can bear one another's burdens, and that we can continue to take those steps. So for me, this is what I've struggled with the most over the last month or so in my life. And I, I've told I've told the staff, I've told a few people, but I haven't told a lot of people because it's not something that like I'm proud of, but it's something that's real. Okay. But what I've struggled with the most over the last month is the enemy trying to just throw these these lies, these whispers of condemnation at me. To say, hey, do you really think, do you really think that you are who God called to be the pastor of this new church? Do you really believe that you have what it takes to take this church into the next phase? Do you really think with all the stupid stuff you've done in your life, all the stupid stuff that you still do in your life, do you really think that you can you can lead this church. And the enemy, he begins to throw these, these things at you. And what I've realized is the only reason that those are loud is because at some point my focus has had to have shifted from Jesus to Dustin. Because when my focus is is on Jesus and nothing but Jesus, the devil can say whatever he wants, man. And I'm walking confidently in the fact that Jesus says I am who he says I am. And it isn't because of me. So what I had to realize is, man, there there was some point where my focus has shifted because those voices got louder and louder. And I had, to, I had to realign my focus to Jesus. And then the answer is really easy to the enemy. It's like, you know what? No, I don't have what it takes. Don't. Don't have what it takes to lead anybody. But yes, I am the person to lead this church because God told me. I'm the person. And just because I don't have what it takes doesn't mean that I can't lead them because he has what it takes to lead. And with him working through me and him using me however he wants to use me and my focus directly on the cross of Jesus, we will continue to see the faithfulness of God at Impact And it's not because of me. It's because he is who he says he is. And when we celebrate three years as a church in just a couple months, man, we're not going to say, look at at this church and look at how Pastor Dustin made this church work for three years. No, we're going to say, look at what God did and look how he sustained this local mission for three years in spite of what Pastor Dustin did. In spite of the the human nature of the leadership at Impact Church, God uses people to do great things. But he's got to be the focus. And some of you in this place, you need to realign your focus to him. Maybe you're going through that this morning. Maybe you're going through those distractions. 
and you're in a and you're in a place where you need to realign. You need to shift your focus back. Maybe some of you you're you're just listening to those those whispers from the enemy and they're getting louder and louder and louder. And you need to remind yourself of what God says about you. He says you are chosen, you are royalty, you are loved. And he snatched us out of darkness and brought us into marvelous light. So as we stand together and close this morning, I want you guys to just make the decision. You can stand with me this morning. I want you guys to make the decision to realign your focus to Jesus. And this is really, we're we're starting a brand new year in January, as always. And we're, we have a, we have a word for the year and, and sometimes we have those. We didn't have one for this year, but our word moving into 2023 is shift because I believe that 2023 is going to be a year of shifting for individual lives, for, for us as a church, families, and we're going to shift away from all the junk in this world and we're going to shift towards Jesus. And I would love that for in this place today for people to begin the shift. And we're going to respond like we always respond. We're going to bring, we're going to bring our first and our best because God gave us his first and his best. We're going to sing because Jesus is worthy to be praised. And because he paid the price for us, we have the opportunity and the ability to have a personal, intimate relationship with our Father. And we're going to pray. Some of you, you need to pray that your your focus is realigned to Jesus. For some of you, maybe, you need to pray for the very first time to give your life to him. Where you say, man, I... I've heard all this stuff and I keep hearing it. I've never really made the decision to follow after Jesus. And following after Jesus doesn't mean you're making the decision to be perfect. It means you're making the decision realizing you're not perfect and He is. And that you need Him to pull you out of that darkness so that you can walk in the light that is Jesus. So we're going to bring, we're going to sing, we're going to pray. We're going to respond however the Spirit leads us to respond. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.